Good morning to you. It's a beautiful day, as you can see and as you can experience and know. It's even greater because it is the Lord's Day. We are going to be focusing our attention on John 4, John chapter 4, and we'll be noticing particularly verses 10 uh, through 14. I don't want to be popping the whole time. So I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just move. Thank you, Brother Harry. All right. Now, we can Google. I'm not asking you to do this, but you can remember to do it if you want to. You can Google natural spring water. And it will take you to a, a website um, to where you can actually find uh, pure, fresh, natural water uh, coming forth from a side of a cave or rock place or ground. And there are a few of those uh, in North Alabama and southern Tennessee and so forth. And it will give you a map as to exactly where you need to go uh, to find this natural, fresh spring water. Our question this morning from John 4, Jesus and Samaritan woman their discussion here about verses 10 to 15. Our question is, how do I, how do I get that living water uh, in my life? How do I get that living water in my life? Uh, what are some thoughts I must go, th- go through uh, to make sure that that living water is, is in my life? That's kind of the direction in which we're going to be going together this morning. Okay. So let's begin by simply observing that we must be able to identify the living water. Jesus talks about it here in John 4, verses 10 through 14 with the, with the, the lady at Jacob's well. He said, um, if you were to ask me, okay, I can give you living water. Living water. And of course, he's making a contrast between, between physical water and something else. So we know he's not talking about physical water. So what is it that he means? Well, basically... He means the whole package of salvation, the whole bundle of salvation. When he says uh, living water, he means that Jesus, Jesus saying in this kind of a symbolic way, uh, Jesus can give us spiritual life, and only Jesus can give us uh, spiritual life. Okay. Uh, when you think about living water, think about it as water that gives life, a spiritual life. In 1 Peter 3, verse 7, you might recall that that Peter says that Christian husbands and wives can be heirs together of the grace of life. You see, life, grace of life. That's new life, that's spiritual life. And we run back, as we often do, to Romans 6 and verse 4, and we read, Therefore we are buried with Christ in baptism. And that like as Christ was raised up from the dead from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Newness of life. And so 
When Jesus says living water, he's saying, I can give you, and I only I can give you this new spiritual life, which is also called the grace of life. If you look right there in Romans 6 and verse 18, you read how that in obeying uh, the teaching of Christ, we can have um, a situation where we are free from sin. Free from sin. And so grace of life and newness of life and being free from sin is what Jesus means when he says, I can give you uh, the living water. And he can give us freedom from sin now and he can give us eternal life. Okay, uh, Paul says in 1 Timothy uh, 4 verses 7 and 8 that godliness, godliness has the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. See, that's the whole bundle together. All right, whole package. Jesus says also in John 10 and verse 10, I am come that they may have life and have that more abundantly. More abundantly. So living water is the whole package of salvation, both that which we enjoy now and that which we can enjoy in eternity. Notice that idea there at the end of verse 14. He says, the, the water that I can give to you, in the verse 14, the water that I can give you, John 4 verse 14, can become in you a well of water springing up unto eternal life. Okay. Now, the reason that life, spiritual life, is so important is because sin makes us dead. We, as, as Paul teaches in Ephesians 2 and verse 1 and following, uh, he says, We are dead in our trespasses and sin. 1 Timothy 5, 6 teaches that we can be walking around alive on earth but be dead in sin. We can be alive but dead. Okay. Uh, I think it was to the church at Sardis, Jesus wrote in Revelation uh, 3, 1 and 2. He said, you have a name that lives, but in reality you are, you're dead. You're dead. And so sin makes us spiritually dead. But Jesus, in giving us the living water, he can give us new life. Okay? He can make us free from sin. And he can give us a grace, the grace that brings us that life. And he can bring a newness of life uh, to us. Okay. So living water. We've got to be able to identify it. And it includes the, the salvation, freedom from sin now, but also eternal life. Focus in on that for just a minute. Eternal life. The water that I shall give to you can spring up in you and can well up in you uh, unto eternal life. Jesus often uses that phrase, eternal life, here in the, in the Gospel of John. And you might want to notice a few of these uh, with me. Like in, in John 3 and verse 15, Whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. You see that, John 3, verse 15. Of course, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal eternal life. Notice in John 3 also in verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. See how that goes? You remember Peter in John 6 and verse 68. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Okay. Notice it again in John 10 
and about verse 28 where Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Talking about the sheep that follow him. John 10, 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. Now, so notice that living water refers then to salvation here and the promise of eternal life uh, then. Before we leave identifying living water, think about the first words of Jesus in John 4, verse 10. First words of that verse, John 4, 10. He looked to the woman and he said, If you knew the gift of God, this water of life is a gift from God. As we know that salvation indeed is a gift from God. But notice how this is put together way over in Revelation 22 and uh, verse 17. You remember this verse, I believe. Revelation 22:17 says, Whoever thirsts or whoever will, let him come and take the water of life freely. Okay. So it's a gift and it's a free gift. We know that about salvation because we, we remember reading from Paul in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace... Have you been saved through faith? This not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And this is particularly emphasized in Romans 6.23, where Paul says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of eternal life is free in Christ Jesus. Now, We earn separation from God. We earn death because of our sin. But the free gift of eternal life is something that comes totally from the favor of God. That is not something we earn. Now we submit to God in obedience, surely. God provides the water and we are to drink from it. A particular passage that you'll want to have in reference to this somewhere. Okay, and I'm not sure where to put it, so let's just put it here. But Isaiah 12 and verse 3 is a tremendous, I think it's mostly a prophecy about the days of Jesus. Isaiah 12, 3 says, There's coming a day when we will with joy draw out water from the wells of salvation. Okay, and notice that. There's coming a day when we will be able with joy to draw out water from the wells of salvation. Not just wells, but wells of salvation. I think that points right down to the discussion of Jesus. So the first thing we've got to do, if we're going to be part of the living water, we've got to know what Jesus is talking about. We've got to, we've got to be able to identify it. And you see it here uh, that it includes uh, freedom from sin and the promise of eternal life. It's, it's the free gift of God. The illustration of this is right in the reading. It's obvious right in front of our eyes. Okay. Just as physical water is necessary for physical life, so this living water is absolutely necessary for a relationship with the Lord God, and it is necessary for us to be able to serve and have the hope of eternal life. Now, in the second place, in order to get this living water, 
we've got to notice the quality of the water. The quality of the water. Notice that Jesus will say to this, to this lady, he will say, whoever drinks of this water, that is the water from Jacob's well, whoever drinks from this water shall thirst again. Now, of course, plainly he's talking about how that one drink doesn't do it for us. One bottle of water doesn't do it for us. We're in, we're in water throughout the day and every day. Of course he's saying that. But he's saying something a little bit deeper as well. He's saying when we partake, when, when we go to the things of the world, we must remember and realize down deep that the world and its pleasures are of an inferior quality to the living water. Whatever you find in the world is inferior to the living water. It, it does not last, and it does not bring the joy and the peace and the relationship with God whatsoever. Okay. And Jesus is highlighting that ideal here as well. In fact, I would say that that ideal is one of the great tests of life, wouldn't you? One of the great tests of life is that God showers us with blessings, with physical things. And then he sort of says, okay, are you going to make these blessings your main focus? Are you going to make these blessings your God? Are you going to make these blessings your love? What are you going to do with these blessings? Are they going to become, become your main ideal? Are they going to become... Are they going to become the very focus of all your conversations? That's kind of the, one of the main tests of life. What are you going to do with this? I mean, he failed that test. Now, this is illustrated for us in John 6, 26 and 27. If you'll take a look at that, John 6, 26 and 27. Because Jesus has just earlier, he has again fed the multitude, the 5,000, a few loaves and fish. And so those who were uh, benefited from that miracle, they they sought Jesus out and they finally found him. But he kind of rebuked them. He said, you're not coming after me because you have an interest in, in growing closer to God. You're not coming after me for the benefit of your soul. You're coming because you, you ate of the loaves and now you want more of that. You're able to fill your belly and now you want more of that. What else does Jesus have to offer as far as this world goes. And the, that wasn't the intent of his miracles. His, the intent of his miracles would, would be that they would see that he's the son of God and they would, they would come to him in a spiritual way. Okay. And so after that little rebuke, notice John six twenty seven. He says, work not for food that perishes, but rather work for food that abides unto eternal life. And you can see that plainly. This ideal is also illustrated in the book of Ecclesiastes. You might start in chapter 5 and verse 10. This ideal that if you drink of this world's goods, you're going to thirst again. Well, notice how this compares to Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 10, where the wise man said, He that loves money will never be satisfied with money. And then beyond that, you know that one of the main phrases of Ecclesiastes is Solomon saying again and again, like Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 2, he says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And then even over in Ecclesiastes 12 verse 8, he said the same thing. I think it's interesting there 
in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 8, that that comes right after verse 7, where Solomon explains what happens at death. Where he says, you know, when we die, the body returns to the earth from which it came, but the spirit returns to God who gave us the spirit or the soul. Okay, So right after that, Solomon says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What's he saying? He's saying, if we live our entire lives and we're pouring ourselves into the things which we can see and touch, then life to us will become vanity, all empty, all vain. It reminds you of a question that is asked from prophecy in Isaiah 55, verse 2. Isaiah 55, 2 asks this question, Why do you spend money for things which are not really bread? Why do you spend money and buy that which is not really bread? Why do you labor for things which will not satisfy? Isaiah 55, verse 2. That goes right along with the emphasis there in Ecclesiastes. Of course, Solomon finally found a way to find out what is and what is not, what is really important. He says it there in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man. But boy, it took him a long time. And God doesn't want us to travel down the same path that Solomon traveled in order to discover that secret. That's why Solomon's in the Bible. See, Solomon tried to find peace in a number of different ways. Wine, and you can, you can read from Ecclesiastes 1 all through the book, but you'll notice that there's a, there's a portion where he talks about how he threw himself into wine. He also threw himself into women. He threw himself into wealth. He threw himself into his work. He was a great builder. He built things, built things, built things. Vineyards, gardens, houses, he threw himself into his work. He threw himself into human wisdom. Okay. But none of it brought him the peace that he needed. Until he finally said, well, here it is. Fear God and keep His commandments. You see, we've got to notice, and if we're going to get to the living water, we've got to notice the, notice the quality of the water uh, that is involved. You might compare also Jeremiah 2 and 13 where Jeremiah says, God through Jeremiah was looking to his people. He says, you've committed two evils. You have forsaken God who is the fountain of living waters. And you have, you have hewed you out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. When he says cisterns, broken cisterns, little little small buckets that they would carry water in. And they were going after worldly things. They were going after worldly gods, other gods. God was saying to them, you're going after these things, but in the end you will know that you were just, you were just losing water as you moved along. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. You can rise up early, you can stay up late all you want to, but except the Lord build the house, then you are laboring in vain. So we've got to understand the quality of the water that Jesus is talking about here. He says, if you drink of this water, you will thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I can give to you, you will never thirst. The water that I shall give to you will begin springing up in you 
a well of eternal life. Quality of the water. Many are failing this test. And you can hear it in their conversations. You, you can see it in their lives. God has blessed, blessed, and blessed with physical matters. Not understanding. Some don't understand. This is a test that God is giving us to see if we'll just not make that our focus. Get rid of all these things and focus squarely on Him and grow in Him. The quality of the water. We studied a, two or three weeks ago about the resurrection of Jesus. And one of the questions that just stuck in my mind. When the women came early, Luke 24 verse 5. When the women came early to Jesus' tomb. One of the angels asked the women, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Now on the surface there, on the face of it, of course, they should have listened to Jesus. They should have never gone to the tomb. They should have looked for him elsewhere because he's not going to be there. He said he was going to be be resurrected on the third day. And he was. He wasn't there. Why are you seeking the living among the dead? But... Expanding that thought a little bit, why do we, as followers of Christ, keep seeking peace and joy among things which are dead, things of the world, when Jesus himself has uh, the living water? So first, we must identify the living water, and then secondly, notice the good quality of it. But then thirdly, we want to notice the one who is behind the living water, the one who provides the living water. We must, we must focus on him. We must come to know him like never before. Okay. Notice Jesus' own words here in John 4, verse 10. Don't miss this. He said to the woman, if you knew the gift of God, and then what did he say next? Okay. Look at your Bible. John 4, verse 10. If you knew the gift of God, and then what does he say? He says, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is... And who it is that's asking a drink from you. And who it is who can give you this living water. Then your life will be changed. You see, underscore the who there. The who. The who is of primary importance. If we're going to drink of the living water all the days of our lives. We've got to get to know better and better the one who provides it. The who. Who it is that is providing you this water. This lady in a short time will begin to know who this is. One of the ways she finds out, if you'll notice, you let your eyes go on down to verse 16, 17, 18, 19. Jesus tells her, and the reason Jesus is telling her to do this, he's trying to establish his credibility with her, so she don't know him, but she's about to know him. He says, go call your husband. She said, I have no husband. He says, you said right. You've had five husbands. And the one that you're with now is not your husband. And when she heard him tell all about her life, she said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. In fact, later when she goes and tells her friends and family members about Jesus, John 4, 29, she said, Come see a man, John 4, 29, who told me all things I've ever done. Can this be the Christ, she asked? And so notice she is beginning to see the who here. Jesus had incredible, miraculous power. This is brought out in John again and again. 
But notice his miraculous insight. He could read right into the, ins- the insides. He could read right into the hearts of people. John 1, for example, 43 to 47 or 8 there. You remember Philip went and got Nathaniel and brought him to Jesus. And he, Jesus looked at Nathaniel and said, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. And Nathaniel said, How is it you know about me? And he said, he said Before Philip came and, and got you, uh, I saw you uh, sitting under the fig tree. And then Nathaniel said, he said, You are the king. You are the Lord. You are the king. See? The one, the who, behind the water. We've got to keep getting to know him better and better. Now, Jesus, if you look, let your eyes go on down to John 4, 25 and 26, Jesus drops the bomb on her. He drops the bomb on her. Okay. Now, for you who are a little bit older, if your life goes back to the 1980s, you might remember that song. You remember that song? By the Gap Band, Mark, Mark Biles is shaking his head yes. Because okay. I can just see Mark Biles on the, on the skating floor. The Gap Band going, you dropped the bomb on me. right? Picture that later. Go back to John 4. So, John 4, 25-26 now... She looks to Jesus and she says, I know that Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he would declare unto us all things. And Jesus said, I who speak unto you am he. And boy, when she heard that, there's no force on earth that would be able to stop her from going and telling others about who she's been talking to. You see, the who behind the living water. Jesus told her about the living water. And then he needed to establish his credibility with her. Has he done that with me? Has he done that with you? It ought to be done. Think about what he said. I am he. I am he. Let your eyes go here and there in John for just a minute. Let's establish some credibility. Let's let's let the Lord put his authority in our hearts. Okay? Let's quickly do this. John 8, 28, Jesus said to some of the Jewish people, He said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. I am He. Let's think about this I am business. John 6, 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. John 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. John 8, 58, Jesus says, Before Abraham was, I am. John 10, verse 7, Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. John 10, verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. John eleven twenty five and 26, Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. John 15, 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine, my father is the husbandman, and you all are branches. Revelation 1, 17, 18, Jesus said to John, He said, Fear not, I am the first and the last, I am the living one. Revelation 21, verse 6, Revelation 22 and 13, 
Both these verses say, Jesus saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last. I am the beginning and the end. Has Jesus established his credibility with you? Is he your everything? If he is not, then you're not ready to come to the living water. You're not, you're not on the way uh, to the living water. Now, I wanted to bring this song up to emphasize the very thing we're just saying. Is he my everything? So, at this point I can read this or we can just start singing it together. Which one do you want to do? It's a, it's a song we often sing with the young folks. It's a song that comes home with us from Bible camp. And so I'm going to take off and try it. Get ready to sing. Okay. Sometimes when you're tired, you just do things that you would never do before. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us. Blessed Redeemer, living word, Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Amen. Blessed Redeemer, Living Word. In order to come to the living water, we got to identify what it is. We got to realize the great quality of it. And we got to come to know the one behind the living water. A couple other things that's necessary, just quickly. You got to be thirsty. We'll never drink of the living water unless we're thirsty for it. I don't know how to create that in, in each of us. Okay. Uh, certainly going to the Word of God is key to creating this thirst. But you can look among us and you can look among your family. You can look among your friends. You can look among your co-workers and you can see that there are some who are thirsty for it and there are some who are not. We've got to be thirsty. Psalm number 42, verses 1 and 2, speaks as the deer pants for the water brook. So my soul longs and pants after you, O Lord. My soul thirsts for the living God, it says there in Psalm 42, verse 2. We remember Jesus say in Matthew 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after God, for they shall be filled. And then the final thing that we'll say is that somehow or another we've got to realize how terrible sin is. Sin must be exposed in our lives. Okay, So I wanted you to see this together. 
identify the living water, and then also see the quality of it, see the one behind the living water. God somehow become thirsty for him, hungry for him. But then part of that is that sin must be exposed in our lives. And that's what Jesus is doing. Notice how he works with this lady. He, he makes her see her own sin. She tells him, I have no husband. But in reality, she had been deep in sin. And oh, that, change, that, began to, that began to cause a tremendous change in her heart. We must be able to understand how it is sin that makes us dead. It is sin that creates that separation uh, from God. And so, as we contemplate our Lord, our, our stance before Him, how do things look? From God's view, how do, how do things look in your life? It could be that, that you've not been partaking of the living water. Sure, we notice from Romans 6, verse 4, that the beginning of that is through faith and baptism. And Paul makes that clear, Romans 6, verse 4, that when we're baptized into the death of Jesus, we're, we're raised to walk in newness of life, and all this is to the glory of God. That's how it begins. Well, what about after that? Do we continue to come to know the One who can provide eternal life? A couple of things from this, this lady. She said, first, where do I get this water? She didn't really understand what she was asking, but isn't that a good question? Verse 11, where do I get this water? And then she listened to him a little bit more in verse 15. She says, give me this water. Is, is, is that your plea to God today? Are you ready to come to Him and say, Lord, give me this water. I've been out here in a dry and thirsty land. I've been focusing on the wrong things. I understand now these things do not bring me the peace and joy. They don't bring me the everlasting uh, peace that I need in my life. I want the hope of eternal life. If we can assist anyone this morning with spiritual needs, please make that known right now. Brother Paul, as we stand up, as we sing.